$100,000. Should I do it, Andrew? Should I do it? $100,000. Should I do it? You're listening to Rick Flynn. With a shout out from London Town, it's Rick Flynn presents. Now, ladies and gentlemen, your MC for the affair, Rick Flynn. Hello, come on in, welcome. We've got a great show for you today. I am going to thank right off the bat another one of these associate producers that I have that recommended this next young musician to me. Although, when I say young, this is a married man, I believe, with a couple of children. So, we're not talking about a kid. We're talking about a guy who's out there in the trenches. He's trying to make a good name with his band. I'm going to meet him at the the first time that you at home or you in your car are going to meet him. Wherever you are, let me bring in Andrew. Andrew, before I uh, introduce you, what instrument do you play? I am a drummer. You've been playing now how long? You know, I've been playing drums for about 16 years now. And you are married, and you do have a couple kids, as I'm told. Is that right? Just one, yes. Yes, I have a stepson, Chance. All right, very, very well. And you have a band out there trying to make it, and the name of that band is? Uh, We are called Iris Wide. As in a camera has an iris, and the iris controls the amount of light that is let into the lens. And I assume that is kind of where the name originated off of that term. That is correct. Yeah. And it's kind of just like broadening your perspective a little bit, expanding your horizons. It's kind of like opening your eyes a little bit in a different way. So that's more or less, um, you know, the the origin of the name. All right. The band is Iris Wide from Greater Cincinnati. And you're working on, I understand, a website. You don't have a www at this time, but you do have something else out there where those that may be interested might be able to look you up. And that would be where? Awesome. Yeah, we have a Facebook page like many others. So you can absolutely check us out there and YouTube as well. Uh, We will be posting our music in Spotify and Apple Music. And like I said, we are going to be working on our, um, it'll be our second album now, but we've really transformed a bit. So this is kind of like a fresh start for us. And we're uh, very happy to be getting close to releasing that for everybody. But then it'll be loaded on all those different platforms. Excellent. And I would like to thank also Spotify because they own the company Anchor, which is our host for this very show. So Spotify, I did want to give a shout out to, and you're going to have your band material up there. It's the coming thing, you know, now that they brought over and paid a small fortune to bring Joe Rogan over there, as you know. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, I was happy to have that transition too. That's amazing. And prior to Joe Rogan being brought over, the number one podcast that they had, I believe at that time, was Michelle Obama. That's that's a big one too. I believe there's one or two followers on that. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, very popular woman. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Joe Rogan is a hoot and he's he's a blast to listen to. So that's, that's both really exciting. All right. Very good. Now, with this pandemic and everything we're going through, your ability to take your band and put it in these nightclubs, I assume, has diminished greatly. Would I be correct? Oh, absolutely. It's been a more or less a year and a half off of live music. So it's just been quarantine city. So many things have been canceled across the board. So we're we're excited for the opportunity to uh, get back out there, hopefully in the uh, coming months. So we'll Well, see how things go with opening up. Well, that'll be up to the powers that be to open it up. But right now, if they open it up, it's got to be one person, six feet, another person, six feet. And with that social distancing, even if they do open, 
they're not operating with the capital and income that they normally would. Oh, they're so below capacity. It, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. So I, I can't imagine what their finances are like right now. It's just crazy. <laughs> Andrew, how long has the band been going for you? We've been together for about three years now, kind of uh, building and developing. We've had uh, several uh, lineup changes. We started, uh, and I'm actually not an original member but I, I joined up. There was uh, seven members of the band at one point, and it was very um, kind of almost Dave Matthews Incubus uh, kind of inspired group. And uh, so there's been a lot of transformation. We're actually just a three piece now. So it's anything from just, you know, life uh, circumstances with people or just not necessarily agreeing on the direction of the music. We've really found a, a, a really comfortable home as a three-piece, literally just drums, guitar, singer, and bass player. And uh, it's it's been a really ex- uh, exciting journey so far. So, And then we're going to be working on our second album and getting that out uh, soon, too. So we're just kind of exci- excited to get it all going. Have you ever heard of a gentleman that goes by the name of Phil Collins? Oh, Lordy, absolutely, yes. <laughs> Have you ever heard of a band that goes by the name of Genesis. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, they the have legends. an album, and then there were three. Absolutely. Yes, that was one of their albums. And then there were three after personnel was no longer there. They, I don't know what happened. I guess they quit or went on to other things. Just went and, on to other things, yeah. Correct. And they put out the album, and then there were three. Don't let the fact that there are three dissuade you from the fact that you can have a, a career and make money. And if you doubt that, I want you to go look up my friend Mark Farner and his former band called Grand Funk Railroad. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You may yeah, want to reconsider <laughs> after you check that out. Yeah, I really think we can bring a, a big sound with just three people. We, we it, it really frees up a, a lot of acoustic space to, um, you know, really explore your instrument and things can't almost ever get overly busy (laughs) just because you know it's so much easier to keep tight too yeah when you say seven pieces you had seven pieces was this a horn band it was it was more of a uh, jam band really so i had like acoustic guitar electric guitar bass percussion you know drums (laughs) like kit playing you know and uh yeah it was just you know it was a lot going on and of course stage volume you know when you're playing shows and everything is it's uh it's a lot to keep together and of course there's many many groups that do it uh an amazing job as a seven piece but this three-piece setup that we're working now is uh much more comfortable and i think we all are really happy with the overall mix and it's just the the songs that are coming together with it so so it's, you're it's talking for us. <laughs> guitar bass and drums right that's it yep yep and and then you know of course singing and everything and we work in uh, guitar player of course has pedals uh that, that we kind of bring in some synth sounds and we actually when we play live it is kind of frequent that we'll have a sit-in musician there's a couple of popular um musicians that we play with and we'll come to we'll be playing uh, with another group at the same show. So that we'll have sit-ins sessions and we'll do covers or originals with them. Well, that's, so that's not it. bad. Not yeah, bad. These so. are, these are popular local players that sit in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is like, you know, we'll have a guitarist uh, that also sings that will come sit in and play keyboardists. Sometimes that will sit in uh, with our music, both original and on uh, some of the covers that we'll do here and there. Very good. You heard of uh, a, Eric Clapton, Jack Bruce, and Ginger Baker. They had a three-piece, if you can recall. They had a hit single called Crossroads. Crossroads. And White Room. (laughs) And Sunshine of Your Love. They would be called Cream. Cream, okay. Yes, Ginger Baker on drums, Jack Bruce on bass. May both of them rest in peace. And then the remaining... A player, of course, Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton, then, yep. And a gentleman, I think you've probably heard of him. He was kind of a young guitarist who tried to get a couple albums and gigs. I I don't really know if he made it or not, but 
His name was Jimi Hendrix. You ever heard Jimi of him? Hendrix. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a big one. <laughs> the Jimi Hendrix <laughs> Experience, legend. three three pieces. Three pieces as well. Mm-hmm. They, 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 there's many that can work it, so we're, we're giving it our shot. A- excellent. Now, what are you doing to promote this? Because I have been told that you do have quite a local following about you. Do you have individuals and girls and guys that come and see you at the various places you play, or, or are you working on that? We do have some followers, absolutely. We always have a front uh, row party that we that uh, shows up at the shows that we really enjoy seeing. There's a lot of familiar faces, and I feel like there's a good sense of um, family with a lot of the—we play um, summer music festivals very frequently. And we'll have, you know, upwards of hundreds and many of them, uh, the bigger ones will have thousands of people and there'll be, you know, a lot of familiar faces. I know my um, lead singer and guitar player is uh, friends with many of the people in the community. And that's the, you know, mostly Ohio, but also in the the neighboring states like Kentucky and Indiana that will play uh, frequently, mostly through the summer. But we definitely are, you know. going to be starting up hopefully this uh, spring even and uh we are got a manager and that's actually the singer's uh brother who is quite popular he even has a local uh nickname called the disco man and he's famously uh, you know he is, attends like every show essentially throughout the summer hundreds of shows very dedicated Almost like reminds me of, you know, the Deadheads and the uh, Fish fans that are just like gung-ho and just absolutely love um, following the band around as they tour. So he does a lot of the booking for us. So we're uh, going to be doing a lot of promotion with him in terms of getting our name out and getting more shows once it becomes more of an option, of course, as things open up. And then pushing through the uh, just the social media platforms like Facebook and uh, YouTube and this kind of... Pr- doing a lot of self-promotions we're not we don't have a distribution uh music deal or anything like that we're just going to be kind of self-producing and uh self-promoting i have worked with tons of major recording acts and it's not uncommon at all for me to hear from them prior to them ever getting a contract they had what we call in the business a homemade album and that's what you're talking about absolutely Very well. Now, why do they call your manager the Disco Man? How did that uh, come to be? (laughs) He uh, does he wear a suit with sparkly sparkles on it, or what? That is one hundred percent it. (laughs) Kind of like John Travolta in uh, and the others in Saturday Night Fever, the movie. Absolutely, only with a cape too. Oh no, no, (laughs) he doesn't. Sparkly like disco ball so he just any will frequently have hats that have got the disco ball uh finish pattern you know and uh he sparkles and of course you know and he's a uh, got long red hair too so <laughs> no no he's just he's noticeable <laughs> and memorable and he's also just like this side note he's a he's a great dude so he's just like very friendly and just like this nice to everyone he meets so he it just he's just one of those dudes if you go to shows a lot and uh these states like you probably ran into him <laughs> he's probably been at one of them and uh you know so he's just kind of like a local legend more or less <laughs> uh, it sounds like weird al yankovic <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh Absolutely. my you, right you, yeah once you see weird al like you, you can't not notice weird al if he's around you know <laughs> if you just like oh crap yeah, weird Al on the street. <laughs> He's a local weird Al. Would that be accurate? I, I, would, I would say that's accurate. Yep. <laughs> and other than your shows, he goes to all the rest of them too. Yeah, I just yeah. I'm, uh, of course, some exaggeration in there, but I'm really not exaggerating. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, that it's just uh, and he he does travel to different states and everything for shows. Also, he's just loves live music. I mean, that's just, that's again, it's his people, it's his family. And he loves what he does. And of course, you know, he's just addicted to the experience of just uh, being, being around all that good, good vibes and all the music and all the musicianship. So, and there's several bands that he is, you know, pretty actively follows. And that's just kind of where his nickname came from. <laughs> I'll be darned. Well, 
you mentioned family. You have a big family and they all come out or are they scattered all over the place or they all located here in your hometown or what? Oh yeah, I would no, it's actually it's fairly scattered throughout the, you know, the state and everything. It's not I mean absolutely there's a handful or more of uh, local people of course that will, that follow uh, and show up to our shows too, which is awesome. Very supportive, and then, uh, but yeah, a lot. It is very scattered. Just whoever's into the different uh, groups that are touring around and playing around at the different shows here in in the state. You know, that they 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 will make the several hour drive to you know Columbus or Cincinnati or even like going out into Indiana. Even you know they don't they don't mind driving several hours because frequently too it'll be like a a weekend festival. So it'll be like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we'll be camping out and getting uh, a weekend full of music. Are these like venues where there will be 10 acts on the bill and you only have so much time? Or are these venues where there's three acts on the bill, two acts, uh, or are you Uh, playing them all by yourself? Certainly uh, varies. Um, Frequently there'll be ones where it's actually more like two to three hour time slots and they'll even play music all the way through you know, the late hours of the night. And then sometimes it is just like, yeah, maybe it's kind of a busier festival where it's only hour time slots it might even start early afternoon and kind of go through till the, the night hours again. So it, it kind of varies depending on uh, the festival or, the, you know, and then we all, we also play shows where it's just, yeah, we'll play at some of the local bars or um, some of the local uh, actual just music, indoor music uh, venues around town too. But Frequently, we've been doing a lot of the outdoor uh, music festivals. Right. Now, do you ever have uh, any recording artists on these shows, or are these basically uh, local acts trying to uh, build up their career? Yeah, we've been fortunate enough to play with um, Acoustic Hookah. It's kind of like a, they're, they're a, actually quite a popular band and will sell out venues. And then, you know, so they'll, but they're not, I wouldn't say like a mainstream. Um, no, I've heard music of them. Act. I've yeah. heard them, never worked with them, never met them, but I've I've heard the name out there. Yep. Um, another, uh, Glowstick Willie, which is probably not potentially one, they're a local band uh, that we will play uh, shows with frequently. Uh, we're, we would love to play with Umphreys McGee. That's that. They're a killer band. I've heard the name again. Yeah. Not, not like, they're not, you know, uh, Michael Jackson or Whitney Houston or, Houston or anything. <laughs> right. You know, so they're not, they're not, uh, what are we talking? Uh, are we superstars. talking metal or just a harder rock? No, th- no. Unfreeze um, has got a lot of influence. No, they're they're they have there's some rock influence in there, but they're I mean they're all kinds of different genres, you know. But like they're they're a lot softer and it's no no screaming or anything. It's it's all singing, groovy, funky. You know they they get all kinds of music genres that they they incorporate. And acoustic hookah is definitely they're they're not hard rock at all either. <laughs> more more of a jam band. Right. Well, somebody told me that you had something to do with Peter Frampton. Uh, tell me about that. I've met their manager, I know the touring manager locally. Just kind of rubbed elbows with them, friends on uh, friends with them on Facebook and everything. And just I've I've had a few conversations with them, and of course he's got stories for days. You know, working with Peter Frampton over the years, so I just kind of caught a couple stories with him, and that was just kind of like a local, you know, legend around here. And Peter Frampton, what I mean, what a what a name in music too. You know, he's made quite a career for himself. I take it you enjoyed meeting Peter Frampton. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That 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 was a, a highlight <laughs> of the year. <laughs> well, Peter Frampton came from Britain, as you know, and a prior to coming out on his own using the name Peter Frampton, his first band after he left the band that actually put him in national uh, prominence was, well, that band was a British band called Humble Pie. Oh, wow. How about that? I didn't know yes. That. Oh, absolutely. And the main character of that band was a guy named Steve Marriott. Okay. They were called Humble Pie. They had a single out called 30 Days in the Hole. (laughs) And the hole is not where you want to be. It's uh, that place they haul you off to, all expenses paid if you do something wrong. Amazing. The old gray (laughs) bar hotel, you know? Yep. (laughs) 30 Days in the Hole was a single 
for Humble Pie, and then absolutely Frampton left that group, and he formed an act called Frampton's Camel. Oh, wow. And that is the first time I ever saw Peter Frampton was not when they called him Peter Frampton, uh, and then that was all when he was out on his own. The band was called Frampton's Camel, and they were singing the same identical songs that he sang when it later became Peter Frampton. Do you feel like we do? Show me the way. All of this. They had those songs going back then, and then when they switched the name, uh, it just took off. You know, that's how a career happens. You just start. (laughs) It's like this podcast. We need more followers. I need more people to click on the follow button. I need more people to click on the likes button. We've been going less than a year. Everybody that comes on has a great time, and we're doing real well for the short time we've been on. But we need to expand the audience, get it out there, have everybody join in, and that's what he was doing with Frampton's Camel. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's amazing how it happens. I mean, all you got to do is have a great product and give give people something to listen to. That's amazing. Absolutely. They they ate it up with Peter. (laughs) What about this? We were talking just for a moment before we went on. You talked about Slipknot and corn. What was going on? Did you actually have occasion to see them or meet them or work with them or what was going on there? A lot of, lot of the youngsters are going to know who Slipknot is and, and corn with a K. Uh, yeah. How does that enter into your life, both of those acts? I went to my first show in Kentucky Speedway. It was a summer sanitarium. It was Metallica, corn, um, System of Down, Kid Rock. It was, a, it was my first hard rock show. So, um, Talica supposed to play. James Hetfield actually was sick that night and had a lot of the um, singers for the other bands uh, do perform with Metallica and do the same songs. And uh, they did the whole set like that. So, that was just kind of like my exposure. It kind of started my journey with uh, kind of the heavier hard rock and metal uh, background that I have. And I had a, I've had an affinity for it for years. So this group that I'm playing with now is, um, I mean, it's a rock band, but it's not like a super heavy, a hard rock band like some of the ones we're referring to. So, and that kind of brought me to um, Slipknot, which was definitely one of my favorites for years. Uh, Joey Jordison, the drummer, was a huge influence of mine. One of the motivating factors, I was just like, man, this guy is so fast and can play some crazy um, drum riffs and everything. I was like, I want to do that. You know, that kind of really kind of helped propel uh, my experience on drums and you know my goals and my desires and the kind of movements and speed and power that i desired to play um that was a big huge motivating factor so of course i went to a lot of the shows a lot of the music festivals uh even waited after the show several times and got to meet the drummer joey jordison um you know of course signed autographs i was still young at that point super stoked on that i met the singer of slipknot chatted with him i would go to a lot of the eyes fests in the later years too, or those a lot of those bands would play, and of course Ozzy Sabbaths. You know, I've seen Judas Priest, I've seen Iron Maiden. Didn't meet them, but I would actually. They'd have like some of those meet and greet tents, so you would get to see some of the uh, not like the major acts frequently, like Ozzy Osbourne himself or Iron Maiden didn't come out or anything. But I would get to meet. I got to meet Slipknot. A lot of the uh, the other bands that I was really into at the time. I can list off for minutes um but it was just kind of a cool experience as a musician especially as a young uh you know inspiring musician at the time when i was kind of like you know uh, 17 to like 21 uh, i would just be super fueled up with inspiration and energy after these shows and sometimes getting to meet some of these professional players you know and i take that home and try to put it behind the drum kit and put some of that inspiration to work kind of help train myself and teach myself new things that i you know may have just witnessed live i would frequently pay attention to the drummer at these shows uh that's kind of also where my affinity to heavy music kind of started from anyways because that's where uh the drummer really shines or shows off more often or is just playing a lot more and i know it's hard to listen to with uh for a lot of people uh, especially when they're screaming involved of course but like um i 
would always just be fascinated by the drums. So, um, you know, whether it be fast double bass or just monster fills or whatever it may be. And that's kind of where my, a lot of my heavy background, I've played with he much heavier acts than the one that I'm playing with now in the past. And that's kind of where a lot of my motivation started with, you know, some of the exposure to these different music festivals. And you're playing double bass now or single or single with I've a double pedal or what? Drum. I do have a double pedal. I used it not excessively, I would, I would say, but <laughs> at least as excessively in the past. Um, there is some double bass, but it, it, it's minimal in the music that we play. It's uh, kind of more supplemental for, fit, for fills, you know, in, in between tom work, you know, working in some double kick patterns. Uh, sometimes I'll just work little five stroke, seven stroke, nine stroke rolls um, at the end of fills or even at, you know, midway through a riff or maybe holding out, you know, the big ring out in a song and then kind of incorporating the double bass roll into it while the cymbals are ringing out, you know, during a finale kind of a deal, um, stuff like that. But it's not like a huge, heavy, prominent part of the beat isn't like focused around double bass. You always had the affinity for drummers here in particular acts. Forgetting about the ones that you had worked with or gone to see, just in general, who would you look up to? And it doesn't have to be a drummer. It could be whatever band. Is there any uh, entertainers that really float your boat and you say they do a fabulous job? You know, I'm, I'm, I haven't had to go with an unconventional choice, but there are two drummers in this world. Of course, there's hundreds of them that I that are good, by. that are great. Yeah. You know, there's two names that I think just deserve recognition as drummers. Uh, they're both drum teachers, like clinicians. Uh, they have had music groups. Honestly, it's, it's super progressive, and it's just like it, as a it, it, it's not popular music because it's just too weird. <laughs> but they mostly are drum teachers. But this like as um, musicians and everything, I just think they're astounding. One is from Australia. His name is Virgil Donati. He's played with a band called Planet X. Um, he's done a lot of incredible drum work over the years. It's, it's just astounding. Everything from fusion to jazz to just on time signatures to progressive. Um, music and everything just just a, an astounding play just as a drum just watching a drummer play like drum solos or um whatever you know like he's just fun to watch and so, he's, another, is he from uh, australia yeah yeah and what is his name again virgil donati v-i-r-g-i-l-d-o-n-a-t-i virgil donati and he is a so, clinician or uh, out on his own or is he with a band I, you know, he probably, I think he plays with the band. I couldn't even tell you what it is right now. I just more or less just kind of watch him play. <laughs> it's right. not one of those like regular, um, again, I, I'm going with an unconventional, uh, answer to your question. Um, that that's this, he's just, and then also Thomas line kind of just like everything I just said, just kind of, just kind of applies to that gentleman too. He's actually from Austria, I believe. I'm pretty sure. Uh, just a drum teacher, drum clinician, any, um, drummer, I'm sure would know at least Thomas Lang, probably Virgil Donati too. Thomas um, Lang is a uh, clinician and endorsed by DW Drums. Yeah, he he's not from here either. He's from. Uh, I think it's Austria. I'm not 100 percent yeah, sure. Yeah, I think it is Austria. Thomas Lang, a DW that stands for Drum Workshop Clinician Drummer. He's endorsed by DW, and he is a studio drummer. And if you look at the people that that man has played with, it is a telephone book of major artists. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you one thing. If you would like Thomas Lang to play on your session and you can afford it, <laughs> there's only one thing that matters. And do you know what that is, Andrew? Oh, what's that? Uh, the thing that matters most, will the check clear? <laughs> mm -hmm. If the so. check clears, you got him. He has played with everybody under the sun. Yeah, that, that's, 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 that's impressive. He, he's he's a, a wonder to watch behind the kit. Just absolutely incredible work. Oh, he's excellent. And excellent he's at what excellent. he does. Yeah, and, and as I was mentioning, Virgil Donati just like, in the same exact boat, just, just as good. It does, does different, um, approach and everything, but he's just, uh, he's incredible to watch. So on both ends and Thomas Lang, just 
right in the same boat. Just a great experience. He, he is a man that when you call him and he shows up, uh, you're going to pay for it, but you're going to get what you pay for. He, he can your, play anything. Your jaw is going to drop. Yeah, he, uh, he'll play anything. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Andrew, in this pandemic world we're living in now, you're married, you have a child, a stepchild. What uh, is it difficult? I mean, are you able to put bread on the table? You got to do some odd jobs here and there. Uh, yeah, I, most drummers, most musicians, drum or not, that I'm talking to these days, uh, be it on the podcast or just in my personal life, they're all out there doing, you know, a little of this, little construction, little of this, working uh, on automobiles or whatever their passion is where they can make a buck, you know? Has that hit you? Oh, yeah. I, it's definitely slowed down the music portion of my life, but I have a full-time gig that uh, keeps me busy along with the uh, buried life and everything. And um, I, I am absolutely excited to get uh, music going again in my life, but it's uh, definitely been stalled out with the pandemic happening, and I'm sure people feel it even worse than we do. So everything's fine here in, in our home, thankfully. Oh, and, yeah, that's uh, excellent. Yeah, so I, I'm grateful for what we got and, uh, you know, hopeful for the future. Well, that's true. And, you know, in the type of music that you're playing, when you played it at these festivals, etc., it was usually they referred to it as festival seating, which is kind of a uh, around-the-bush way of saying there ain't no seats at all. Yeah, BYOC, yeah. bring your own chair. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, festivals. <laughs> I've been to concerts. Festival seating <laughs> means, as far as I'm concerned, one body sardine canned into another body, into another uh, one, another <laughs> one, another one. And that's yeah. when they, what is that when they jump off the stage? Body surfing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah crowd and surfing, I believe they called it. Yeah. What's it called? I believe crowd surfing, body surfing probably still applies. Right, crowd surfing. That's festival seating for you right there. If yeah. it's bring your own uh, uh, chair, that, that, that is a must be an older audience because it's not the <laughs> ones I'm seeing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're not quite on the, uh, you know, Woodstock level of crowds. No. So, yeah, we, we, there's a little more space. But, yes, many of the... Um, festivals i've been to even just like the Ozfest, as i previously mentioned and many others um that yeah they would be shoulder to shoulder and you know if there's uh, a favorite band of mine in front of me you know I, especially at that age i'd want to be close to the front so absolutely mm -hmm. <laughs> shoulder to shoulder people falling on you mosh pits close by uh, uh, what, what are they still doing that mosh pit or is that gone is that uh, out of style it, it, I, right, I know. Uh, you know, I, I've I, the, the shows that I play uh, don't really have mosh pits. We're not we're not uh, heavy enough uh, to draw that kind of a crowd to have that kind of uh, energy and everything. I mean, you know, is I, it still an an in thing to do, or has I, it drifted I, I away? Still, I think I think it still happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't been to too many uh, heavy shows in the, in the you know last several years at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. Mosh moshing is still definitely a thing. It, it has variations of moshing. We don't necessarily have to get into it or anything, but there's like uh, this, yeah, differences like this circle pit moshing. There's push pits where you just kind of push, you know, and then there's this like full on like pseudo fighting going on. <laughs> right. And <laughs> I never could understand that. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it, I will tell you, I actually, I, I, I saw it um, again. Um, don't, don't believe everything you see on the internet, boys and girls, but <laughs> I, I've seen articles about, um, just, um, scientists have even said like listening to heavy music is, is very calming for a lot of people. And like, I know like there's crazies across the board everywhere <laughs> with, with all kinds of genres of music and everything. But like, even though there's a lot of like pushing and people throwing, um, fists in the air and all that kind of stuff, there's actually, it, it there's, there's a lot, it's a very calming effect. You're kind of getting out your aggression in a not overly aggressive stabby killy kind of a way just like you can just like scream a little bit throw your hands in the air kind of push your push your buddies a little bit a lot of it's the kind of it doesn't actually have mean spirit behind it, it there's not actually ill intent <laughs> as this more of like a rougher form of fun just kind of like how even just <laughs> I, I don't mean to offend anybody but it's almost kind of like dogs like to rough each other up a little bit you know you like 
dogs like to play and they like to throw and fetch a ball and everything. But sometimes actually I just kind of like to play fight. And it's just, it's not a like unhealthy form of aggression. Is this more of like, no, they just kind of like to just be aggressive with each other a little bit, but not actually harm anybody. <laughs> and the intent is not to harm. Well, now there are mosh pits where they take them out in an ambulance. Well, that is true. Yeah. Stuff. And I, but I feel like even like, uh, People like stampeding crowds, I think, is worse than moshing because <laughs> people will literally, yeah, trample over other people and like kill them. It's like uh, that's the, happened. Uh, you know, yeah. like we had that crowd. happen in Cincinnati. If you did not already know that, I have been to a metal show where there um, there was a stabbing in Cincinnati. Do you remember that? I uh, don't remember. Like, I remember a concert by the Who. Uh, by the Who. Oh yeah, Peter yeah. Townsend, <laughs> Keith Moon, oh, John yeah. Entwistle. The Who from yeah, England Who. came. And they did not open enough doors at the Coliseum. And the crowd heard the band indoors on the, in the arena doing a sound check and they assumed falsely. And you know what happens when you assume (laughs) they assumed since they heard the who inside their playing, which was a sound check. That's all it was that the oh. concert had begun. Right. They so opened up one it. set of doors in the front and boom. And the next thing you know, we had uh, a dead body or two or however oh, many yeah. on. I forget how many they killed, but it was absolutely ridiculous. It was it's terrible. I even even any of the awful like concert shootings that have happened, any any of that like all I of that's nonsense. Real, all of it's nonsense. Don't want to get into it too much, but this, I, I hate when there's um, uh, in, intentional mean violence at a show or crazy people that just trample over other people. Like what the hell? Like that's absolute insanity in my mind, and I would I would never support any of that. And then what's and what's wild is mosh pits are not as violent as that. <laughs> well, I hope not. Frequently, I, frequently what, anyway. What that I'm has to do? Violent moments don't happen, but this, you know, in general, I think it's just a, a form of. People are just frustrated, maybe the way they look, maybe with their life, maybe poor relationship with parents, or whatever, whatever it may be. You know, people got their flaws. But it, it, it's 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 a way to just kind of say, yeah, I'm mad, I'm mad. And you can just kind of get out and feel better afterwards. <laughs> well, over in England, as you know, and throughout Europe, soccer is what they refer to as football. Yeah. And in England and Ireland, uh, that's Ireland I've seen where – they play football, and then this team from this city will play this team from this city, and the whole thing erupts into a fighting match with the audience uh, going one side after another side. It's a riot, if you know what oh, I mean. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah over over soccer. Crazy. Over soccer, yeah. And I know it happens here with <laughs> our version of football. But yeah, I know like, yeah, it, it's people take things just a little, a little too seriously. So I think, I think there's definitely been moments where, uh, people even just getting back to, you know, the metal world and even moshing or, you know, just any of the heavier acts that I would listen to and everything. It's just like, there's definitely moments where people are taking that kind of stuff way too seriously, but it can be very calming to just like, even for me, I, I have a very, um, calm demeanor in general. And I get a lot of my, you know, any kind of aggression or stress, maybe even be a better word for it, uh, out on the drum kit. It's just a way for me to decompress and kind of take out, you know, some of that stress or aggression. If I have a a frustration with anything going on in life or whatever, it's just a good way to relieve it in a healthy manner where no one, no one gets harmed (laughs) and no one needs to get trampled at a show either. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) One of these television shows, (laughs) <laughs> yes, one of these TV shows years ago, they interviewed these uh, uh, Irishmen that were participating in in this nonsense. And, and, I like to go to me, me soccer, me football, and me me fighting. Yeah, he equated the fighting with as much fun as the football game, and that fighting yeah. is going to get you one of those all expenses. <laughs> paid trips downtown, right. you know, and it's not going to end bars. up. It, it makes what that has to do with football or soccer. I do not know. Yeah. They can, they can leave that part out of it any day. Again, I just think it's people taking it too seriously. It's just like, man, calm down and keep, keep the spirit of the sport alive. Or if music, keep the spirit of the music alive. We're all here for the same reason. 
Let's just enjoy it. <laughs> Life's precious. Just appreciate it. Don't don't screw up anybody else's life. <laughs> well, that's cool. see, that's another thing on those mosh pits. The last I read on some of those mosh pits at these metal shows was that a female, a girl that, you know, got dressed up, wanted to have a good time and come to the concert, somehow by her geographical position on that floor that night, she ended up in the mosh pit and they took her out in an ambulance and she didn't oh, even want to be there. It just happened yeah. geographically. Somebody yeah. may have pushed her in there for fun sure. thinking it was a joke. Yeah, that 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 that, that sounds to, uh, for me and again I know I'm biased just because I've been to many of them, but I'm also just kind of experienced because I've been to a lot of these heavier shows too. That's an uncommon experience and it's kind of rare. And that's very unfortunate. I feel bad for anyone that kind of gets just wrong place at the wrong time <laughs> that's what <laughs> it is just, yes you know and I, I feel like it's kind of unlucky i've there, I, what i've seen there's definitely been some uh, groups or cliques uh there's even a local group here that i was uh terribly annoyed by i don't know if i even need to share their name uh, but they had like a, an actual like a crew name like a, a, a group name or whatever but they would like really start fights and they were all straight edge so, and referring to abstaining from like uh, beer, cigarettes, and drugs, and everything, just like they just abstaining uh, clear from that. But anyway, they'd go to these some of these heavier shows because they liked hardcore music, hard rock, metal shows, or whatever. But they would like start fights with people that are like drinking beer and everything, and they would like gang up and beat beat people up. And it was just kind of like, geez, dude, <laughs> you guys need to calm down. It's okay to have a belief in the lifestyle and think for the way that you do, but you don't have to like just like kind of take matters into your own hands and assault people physically with violence, you know? So like that, there, there's stuff like that that exists. I don't think it's the norm. It's not, I don't think it's like the commonplace for a lot of, a lot of the heavier shows. And it's, um, I, yeah, I just, that's really awful that things like that happen though, where people kind of just are in the wrong place there. And then they, you know, have to have something unfortunate happen to them. I have to be taken out with the name. I say, let's get rid of people like that immediately yeah. <laughs> calm down people yeah let security t walk them out and bar them out of the place is what i'm for yeah <laughs> all right everybody my guest today is an up-and-coming uh player been playing for how long now andrew uh, at least 16 years as a, as a drummer and I've been with this group now for uh, three years now right and that group is called iris wide and it is spelled E-Y-E-R-I-S. It's unlike the traditional spelling of Iris as you would use it in reference to a camera. This is E-Y-E, like I-R-I-S, and then the word wide, Iris Wide. They have a Facebook if you'd like to check them out. They're in the process of designing their website. And if you could describe the music just in general, it's not metal, you say. Tell the people what kind of music this is, and tell me, too, because I've never really been to one of your shows. I would just say it's uh, kind of a unique rock sound. Uh, we had a lot of folky influence to begin with, but we're kind of bringing a little bit more of a 80s rock-inspired, just kind of a little bit more of a modern take. Hard to put into you know, a sub-genre, sub but um, that's kind of my general description. Your up-and-coming album, what will that be? More of the same? Or are you going to shift over in a different direction? Or yeah, you don't well, know that, yet? That is the current uh, direction, because we are done tracking this album, so it's all been recorded, so it's kind of in the post-production stage now, uh, getting close to that uh, release date, and which ha hasn't exactly been set yet, so I think we're kind of planning on doing a slow release, as in, like, we'll release several songs at a time, and then have it uh, available as an album by the end of it, but just kind of, like, to kind of help maintain some hype and attention, um, just kind of, like, dropping couple songs out and then waiting a few weeks and dropping a few more so that's just kind of the approach we're taking and we're look, looking forward to sharing it with everybody absolutely you're a very articulate man have you excuse my french but you seem very educated did you go to college uh yeah i i, I did get an education i did go to uh boy it sounds like it it uh, sounds like it Oh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I did actually go to their music college, the College Conservatory of Music. CCM. 
CCM. Yeah. I was in their e-media program. I did not take their uh, drumming program or anything, but I, I had a lot of exposure with, um, you know, the musicians there. And of course, all the production that happens along with that um, worked with the theater, their theater sound. So I just kind of had a broad, it was a bachelor. So it was just a broad degree. You kind of get exposed to a little bit of everything when it comes to music and production and the theater and all that stuff. It was fun though. <laughs> oh, CCM has an excellent reputation it and really a does. highly yeah. accredited school from the University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music. I was grateful to be there. It's good, really, really great, great education. So. I'll tell you, when I graduated high school, I had inquired in regard to radio and TV and media about going to the CCM because I had already been there to uh, sit in on some classes uh, because the one of the professors uh, was was a friend of our family. We knew him, and he knew of my interests. He said, come on in. I'll get you in there, and you can sit in, which I did. And it was an amazing radio, TV, film type, uh, and we're not even talking music. They have an excellent reputation with media in general, not just music. Right, absolutely. The whole facility and college there is just very well-equipped, very modernized, amazing teachers. And I, I, they, they have an awesome program. <laughs> exactly. If you're, if you're in the area and you, and you want to study music or media, that is, uh, you know, a perfect pick. <laughs> so I, I went to my counselor and, and they said uh, at school, uh, have you decided yet uh, what college you'd like to go to? I said, yeah, I'm very much leaning on CCM a college conservatory music up at UC. And do you know what they told me? They said, Rick, you better reconsider. They have a one year waiting list. Oh, I said, geez. Oh no. Uh, and yeah, so my parents and I, we called up there and boy, that turned out to be a true statement. The administration, uh, uh the, uh, admissions office where you would sign in and, um, enroll, they said, no, we can't help you until a year from now. We're so booked up. And I ended up selecting Miami University in Oxford because they had the television station there at that time built right into Williams Hall, their communications building. They had WMUB-FM, which they still have, which is a public radio station up there. And uh, they have since sold the to, they either sold it or gave it away to uh, uh, channel, well, it's channel 14 and 16 now out of Dayton, and they moved these t television to Dayton, Ohio, uh, which really, I, I was sad to see that, but they did that after I graduated. So yeah. I had the full benefit of it that's, that's and good. appearing on it when they had it, but sometimes those television stations, when you, believe me, I know this, when you run them, they're very, very uh, expensive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I don't mean just producing the shows. I mean, if you run them and don't produce shows, the licensure, the, the this, the that, the repair, you're into hundreds of thousands. Yeah, it's a lot to maintain. You know, it's a whole lot there, so. to maintain. Yes, yeah. sir, it is. So... Anyway, I ended up at Miami U. I didn't want to wait the extra year with no school to go to. And uh, Miami uh, took me right in there as a state college. And it turned out to be a wonderful move for me because that's more picturesque and out in the country. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. It looks like a postcard you'd send home from vacation. You, oh. you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot. It was definitely one of the spots I considered also, and I felt lucky to be able to get into CCM, but that was absolutely top two picks right there. Yeah, and they, <laughs> so they didn't give amazing. you any, you didn't go through any nonsense that they had a, a year wait. No, but I did, booking classes was still always an issue every quarter for sure down at UC, but yeah, luckily getting in was able to happen right after high school. So, Well, I didn't inquire with you 
about an education before we went on the air. I had no knowledge. I've never met you, young man. Never. But true. the way you speak, the way so. you articulate, the the the, the way you're going to record on this this podcast today and the way people are going to hear it uh, when it becomes available to the public, you just sound like a person that has an education. And that's yeah. what I have lived my life to do. Some people are highly political when they get on the media. Some people are are they all have their own little shtick, so to speak. Mm, and good. mine is, I just value and promote education uh, because <laughs> I see the, I see the damage caused by some, uh, by what judge Judy on TV says, she says, beauty fades, but yeah. dumb is forever. Yeah. And I've yeah, seen I what dumb can do. That's a true story. You have to learn a little bit every day and you have to be open to new information, especially when it's right before your eyes. I just <laughs> so read. I think college does help that with just like you have to be have an objective eye, you know, and be open to absorbing more. You can't just like, you know, you got to be a sponge. You can't just dry up. You got to keep taking in some more liquid and growing, you know, as a person. So like you just have to be uh, being a lifelong learner um, is just what we all need to aspire to be. Oh, absolutely. You know something? I, I, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this, but I was reading an article this in the past week. It was about a woman, uh, not a young kid now, not a minor. This was a grown woman. It went worldwide, so I'm not telling you anything that is hidden. We can go look it up, but she established what she thought and the key word here is thought was a relationship online with the man that sings uptown funk gonna give it to you up oh yeah bruno mars bruno mars right, right she thought that the man she was starting to fall in love with online mm -hmm. was bruno yeah. mars because this con artist led her to believe that. It's amazing how well people can fake stuff online. And, and she ended up giving the guy $100,000. $100,000. Now, are you going to tell me that the real Bruno Mars needs the money from this woman? Right, right. Are you I kidding? Know. I guess the old scam, I have no idea how the scam went, but it's probably, you know, I'm going to fly in and we're going to meet and, and yeah, uh, right. my, my billfold, I've just straight, lost straight it. I'm here at, yeah, I'm out of here at the airport and I don't have hotel or anything to say. And all of this, you know, where you got to get out your violin and play it. It's so mm. sweet. I know. I hate when they're, um, they're, they, a lot of you know online scammers will prey on old people just because of the lack of knowledge, or knowledge. education or exposure. Correct. Even just like you know, we're all going to deteriorate a little bit over time. So it's just like even just your minds aren't as sharp, you know. And then they just are a little overly trusting, especially because they come from a generation that's uh, more, generally more trusting. So um, yeah, like it's it, it's awful to witness. In this case, she was age sixty three. That would make her about double the age of the real Bruno Mars, who's in his mid-30s. And a quick side note, I, I, I'm a lover, just speaking of media and everything, but this, like, I'm a, and fake online stuff, people faking things online. I used to love, and I still do, the uh, the Onion, the Onion News Network. Are you familiar with the Onion? I, and I've heard satire? about it. I've never, you know, no, I've never been there. It's, it's, uh, it's satire, so it's fake news intentionally. Uh, and it, and it's and they've even put out a movie. They used to put out all kinds of videos, but it's like very well produced. But it was all making fun of uh, reality. Just like I said, it's satire. So it's just, uh, uh, but it's very well produced, like newscasts, and it's like articles and everything. I know you've probably seen maybe like some of those old newspapers, like uh, a couple decades ago, where like it'd be like Bigfoot spotted, or they oh uh, that yeah Nessie Nessie spotted over at the lake and whatever you know, and or they'd have like just like very obviously fake 
news. I would but call it was, it that was for, it was for humor. Yeah, you know, just, we had Mad Mad Magazine, if you remember Mad that. Mad Magazine, yeah, right. It's it's kind of like Mad Magazine, but like it's 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 a, it's a really big thing. Definitely, just take a moment if you haven't heard of it or checked it out. It's just, it's all just funny stuff. And I I previously just like even just like five seven years ago, really loved their content. But it's like it's just from a media standpoint, like you're like man, this is really well produced. Like these are great voice actors or on screen actors. That's, that's, that's nice camera work. You <laughs> know, good animation. Mm-hmm. Awesome, cool. But it's like it's it's obvious that's. It's it's not real, but now so much of it is like transformed. It's like well now there's people that are like doing the same thing, but they're trying to actually make it re- make you think it's real, but it's not real. You know, kind of getting back to that scammer person. That's a very localized uh, telescope lens version of it, where you're like seeing a particular story that where someone's victimized by something like that. But there's a lot of like wide scale versions of that too now, where it's just like oh man, media is just gonna there's all there in the internet everything just making it worse and everyone can share everything and it's just like whoa man this is getting out of control people are having a hard time deciphering what's real and what's not now if you had it to do over again would you go to college um i feel like it's a great foundation i really actually the idea of doing the work again of course doesn't necessarily uh, sound appealing um it's, it's anything to do with the like liberal arts and everything it's, it's a good foundation for just learning how to think and reason and be able to like um, just decipher what's real and what's not. It also has, a, I think, a really big social developing factor involved with it and kind of coming of age, coming of a person and kind of transforming yourself a little bit. There's the personal growth that happens there with college. I think that's just kind of like unique onto it. And they'll never take it away. They can't take it away from you. Right, right. Yeah. Like, so, and of course, you know, you learn a lot of experiences and, you know, I know a lot of people switch majors a lot too. And I know it's kind of, can be kind of make the college experience kind of tricky. And I know it's expensive uh, as well, but this, oh, it um, is. You know, there, there's a lot of uh, advantage to it. I know it's a little, the waters are, are a little murky right now with like the necessity for college education because of being able to make money um, online with like streaming or just like have an online store an Etsy store eBay store like you can have so many different like self-produced don't even necessarily need an education don't have don't have to like go through a job interview and have a degree and have to like prove yourself to a company or you know some kind of organization that you're trying to get involved with like it the it, it, water's a little murky uh, these days anyway with the necessity for college education but I value my kind of education I'm glad I did it uh, doing it all over again. I mean, I, yeah, probably don't, if I could just go back in time and just redo it, just do it a little bit better. <laughs> maybe, like, right. I don't right. know if I'm necessarily interested in like restarting another degree. Uh-huh. I applaud those that have like the doctorate degrees that do like the 10 years ago, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I applaud those people. It's it, amazing that they can um, go through it all, all in like that. And, but I mean, it's just ne- necessary. You know, you got to have people that can, really really understand stuff and like keep things together (laughs) well young man you're articulate (laughs) you sound like somebody that got an education and you do not sound to me like somebody that would send some fake bruno mars one hundred thousand dollars I think more highly of you than that. I feel like I got a little bit more integrity than that. (laughs) (laughs) Beauty fades and dumb is definitely forever. Get an education. I don't care if you're the best musician on the block. Get an education. You got to have something out there to fall back on in the event of a pandemic and all the nightclubs shut down. All the concert venues shut down. Get an education. I mean, you've got to have something there. Yeah, I I agree with you. You know, then that's more of that was like the nail in the coffin for me. It's like, yep, I have to do it just because of all those reasons. You know, that was enough to be like, yeah, a backup plan is necessary. A backup plan. Oh, definitely. It develops you as a person, too. I know, you know, people can take what they want from college, of course, but like you you, you do a lot of personal growth there, too. It's not just necessarily good for a career. There's other benefits, too. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to one of our associate producer shows. Recommended to me was the gentleman you have just heard speak to us for the last little more than an hour now. I'm delighted to have him. His band is called Iris Wide. E-Y-E-R-I-S, wide. 
Check him out on the Facebook. He is the drummer. His name is Andrew. He was smart enough to get a college education so that when everything goes to hell like it's done lately because of this pandemic, he has something to fall back on and is smart enough to know the right things to do. At this time, Andrew, I just want to say thank you, and we're going to have you say goodbye, Andrew. Goodbye, Andrew. Oh, there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Iris Wide is the band. Thank you to our guest, Andrew, today. It's been a pleasure to meet him. I want to thank you at home and in the car and wherever you are for listening. This is Rick Flynn speaking. It's been fun, but I've got to run. I'm going to get my checkbook out. I'm going to write a $100,000 check to Bruno Mars. I hear he needs the money. Andrew, should I do it? Oh, I don't think you should, man. Hang on to it. All right. I don't think you should, man. I don't think you should. All right. Everybody, take care of yourself. Thank you for being with us today. We'll see you on the next one, okay? Bye-bye. The preceding was a Rick Flynn production. This is your announcer, Chantal Marie speaking.